What's up, everybody? This is Clark Schmidt here, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you are listening to the boys of 161st Street, the greatest Yankee podcast in the world. Thank you guys for tuning in. Boys 161st Street, episode 171, not 161. We had a lot to talk about here. Last episode, we did the like end of season, you know, poem and just Ob- like send obituary. off the obituary to the season. Now we're officially in off season talk. Don't worry, the off season is a lot of fun. We and and to be very honest with you, this off season is a big one for Yankees. Like it's almost like a a turning point. Like where are we gonna go with this? There's a lot of decisions to be made, more so than any other year. So I'm excited to, to open this up and start actually talking about it because a lot of the time we talked about it, you know, in the regular season. And we were like, oh, that's off-season talk. Like, the, there are big decisions that are going to be made. And that was always off-season talk. But now, it's off-season. So today you got Luke Chandler and... Murph Damon is about to actually embark on a uh, a bike ride from New York City with his brother to Montauk. And for those of you who don't know where that is, that is that's just all you need to know is that's damn far, and it's gonna take the whole weekend. So he won't be recording with us tonight, and he'll be here in spirit. To, on today's episode, we have a lot to talk about. It is off season, but we have a a lot a lot to talk about. This is the first time we're doing the episodes once a week from here on out. So. There are going to be a lot more topics to talk about because we're doing once a week versus twice a week. But today on the show, we got, you know, obviously the Boone conversations about how wanting to keep him. We're going to talk about that. Phil Nevin and Marcus Timms, Thames, they were canned, canned, let go, whatever you want to call it. We're going to talk about that. The Correa rumors are going to be a big part of this show. We're obviously going to talk about that. Uh, we have varying opinions on that. And as you guys have probably have seen already on on. The social medias and everything, we posted the quotes beforehand because I wanted to get them out there. But, you know, you know how I feel about the Korea thing. I know how you guys feel because I've just talked to you guys. But we'll talk about that. And then at the end of this show, we're going to start off the first annual. We talked about this last year to do this, but we're actually going to do it this time. Because we just didn't, we didn't want to do it half-assed last time. It's, it's the 161 awards, so like end of the end-of-season awards. And last year, we were kind of going to, like, half-ass it. So this year, we have 161 awards that are going to happen. So the way that will work is we're each going to nominate one person. We already have nominated them. We have them all written out, so it's going to be nice and efficient tonight. But we've all nominated one person. Damon's not here, so he, he gave us his picks. We're all going to nominate one person. He, we auto-drafted him. We get the consensus pick for, for him. So Real we have a quick. Bunch of, we have, well, on, we have a bunch of a bunch of funny oh. awards and serious awards, and we each nominated one person. And then what we're gonna do with that is instead of picking the winner of the award, we're gonna have polls go up on Instagram and Twitter throughout this week. We're gonna have you guys, the listeners, decide who wins that award, and then it'll be a fun reveal next week's episode on next Friday. And we're gonna be like, 
I'll, I'll play some sound effects and yada, yada, yada. We'll, we'll have the award ceremony go down. We'll all wear the tuxedos, potentially. Chandler, make a trip to Men's Warehouse. And we'll get that going. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be a little bit of like a, a reminisce thing. It's going to be a little bit of a, an elongated version of that little obituary, obituary that I had of the highlights on the last episode. Why did you assume Chandler was the one that didn't have? A I actually today? just got a tux. Like I two don't months have ago. a tux. I just got a custom fit tux for my friend's wedding. So, fuck off. And you then part two, yeah. And then I, part I have to two rent one for I have a Halloween wedding. Mm. By the way, it's who tough. are they? To, I hope they're not listening right now. Is it a costume theme? No, no, no. But it's like the day before yeah. Halloween. <laughs> yeah, they're, the they're all dressing Halloween up and they're, as bride and they're having, I think that would be amazing. That would be kind of cool, but they're having a, Hall- a wedding in the day before Halloween, and my girlfriend is pissed because we can't have full blown weekend Halloween plans. But I feel like you're a really Halloween big Halloween guy, Luke. I feel like you you're over the top. Halloween Haven't guy. been, but want to be. I could see that. Like going also, forward, I want to be. I wanted to dress year. like uh, Captain America this this uh, this time yeah, around, but nobody wanted. I wanted no. I wanted to do a dig a big picture with everybody, and everybody was like. Captain America. I'm a big Marvel guy. For those listening, Captain America, Loki, like Thor, all that. Because I have a Captain America shield on my wall, and I was going to use that as part I of the prop. Fucking knew it. Of course. Yeah. I, mean, I got it. That was part of the reason <laughs> why I got it. But Thor's hammer, or am I That's that Damon's up? toolbox. Yeah, his toolbox he got on Amazon, and it's probably the best purchase of his life. So he'd be probably Thor. He honestly looks a little bit like Thor too. You Not look, the muscles no, part. I think you could Damon looks mean, absolutely nothing like I Thor. really think you could pull off a mean John Cena costume, Rella. I think you look a little <laughs> bit like him. I could and I'm not I know I'm not the first person to say you're that. You're not the first, you won't be the last. I've been told that by the I, Chipotle guy. I heard that in Matt cool. Damon, but let's Can move I on. say one thing about Damon real quick? What sure. a mistake. Why are you why do you want to bike that far? That sounds no, literally that sounds like my worst fucking nightmare ever. So shame on you, Damon, for being healthy and biking. That just sounds miserable. So that would have been a great uh, fantasy baseball punishment. Yeah, agreed. Got a bike from New York City to Montauk with Damon's brother. I the, that punishment is so severe. I don't think I don't, I've never met Damon's brother. I'm sure he's a great guy, like Damon. But biking for that far, I don't think I would play in the league if that was the punishment. <laughs> Our punishment for our fantasy league is uh, Chandler's in it now. Uh, And speaking of which, this is a year anniversary of knowing Chandler. Some listening now may not know this, but we didn't know Chandler for our entire lives. It may seem it because the the chemistry is just there, but we met Chandler through DMs a year ago, like next week. So, and he's about to move to the city and be real friends. So, claps to him. (laughs) Electric time. Um, so I, I can tell you, even if I move to the city, I will not be biking with Damon to fucking Mont. I don't even no, know where Montauk is. Neither I, too far. So let's move on to the Yankees stuff. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. I don't know what you guys want to talk about first. I guess I'll leave this to you guys. Do you want to talk about the Correa stuff? Because there, that's a big hot button issue. I think we yeah, should just hit that, that first. Because the Boone stuff, we're, we've beat a dead horse. We will still talk. I was about gonna that. say coaches Correa awards. That's my pick. But do what I'll you say mean. Correa coaches awards. Murph, you're the deciding vote. Yeah, let's get Cray out of the way. Let's get Cray out of the way. So I'm glad. That's why I have you here. And for those of you watching on the YouTube, I am wearing a Giants shirt. Don't get it twisted. I'm still a Yankees fan. It's shocking, I know, after this season. Everybody can jump ship now. But uh, they are my team for the NL. I've chosen them. 
And uh, honestly, before we get going, who did you guys? What are you guys doing for this postseason? Because it is still going on. Currently, while we're recording this, it's Thursday night into Friday morning. It's it's late tonight, and the Giants are playing the Dodgers in Game Five. Tie game, interesting game. Definitely got it on. I'm I'm going for the Giants just because they're they're fun, and it's just like they weren't supposed to be here. Everyone's counting them out. I went to Giants Stadium today for the first not today <laughs> this year for the first time. Awesome stadium. Uh, they've been fucking awesome. So that's I'm going with them. I'm I will say. Two-sided here. The Braves would be my first one. Just you know, apologize. Close to my, it's okay. Close to my hometown. Uh, I think it was one of the first major league games I went to. Was at Old Turner Field. I almost caught a Barry Bonds home run before some very sweaty, obese man almost knocked me over the wall and killed me at ten years old. So if he's listening, I'd go fuck yourself. Still to this day, and so and I just like Acuna. I like Albies. I like Freddie Freeman as much as that pains me to say. I like their pitching staff. I, I do like the Braves. And for the American League, I think this is actually an important distinction. And one of the very few things that I've listened to from the short porch and be like, you know what? This is spot on. I actually, I really, really like this. I think you have to cheer for the Astros here. Yes, they cheated. And they probably cheated us out of at least one World Series appearance. But you just can't cheer for the fucking Red Sox. It it it's it's nauseating to cheer for the Red Sox. Yes, the Astros cheated, but they still built a core of Correa, Altuve, and Bregman, and all these guys. They've done something right, as much as I fucking hate them. So, and I did like the Astros before the Astros Yankees rivalry began. When the Astros were an NL team, and even into their beginning of AL, I rooted for them. And then now, obviously, I despise them, but. I mean, you got to pick your pick your battle here. Well, What's the worst? I can't disagree with you more. I can't. Really? I am. I am a obviously rooting for the NL in general. I hope. Oh, that so is an NL sweep, no matter what, whatever. Obviously, Absolutely, that yes. goes without saying. I to say I'm rooting for the Red Sox is a very, very strong like assumption. I'm, I'm not rooting for the Red Sox, but. I'll be damned if I'm going to say have any sympathy towards Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, I don't have anybody any that was on that other team. I am not. I don't have a smidgen of hope for them. I would rather see the Red Sox in the World Series. Disagree. Than the Astros. You can, you're going like to tell me see... watching the Red Sox win a fourth World Series to our one, or honestly, it might be zero. I don't know. But that seeing the Red Sox win again with another new core is better to you than the Astros. It is. I I, it's, so and it's because the Astros has the same core. If the Astros had a different core, then I'd probably root for the Astros. Yeah, if it but was just my, like Jordan uh, and like Springer, some other new it's guys. It's the same core. Except for Springer and Cole, it's the same core. And they didn't even have Cole at the time. So except for Springer, it's the same core. This kind of spills into the rest of our conversations with Correa because I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I, I agree with Murph. I'm Honestly, we have a lot of friends who are Red Sox fans. I hate the Red Sox, but... Honestly, the, the the pros and cons, when you think about it, we're obviously between a rock and a hard place. Like This is obviously not a, – we want to root for the NL, which is why I'm a Giants fan right now. Yeah, and I'm the biggest Braves fan on the fucking yeah, – I'm, I'm a Braves too. fan. So we got our teams on the side. We're not intently watching, but we're watching. Like It's it's not as exciting as it obviously is. Scherzer's in the bullpen night. right now, by the way. So that is, I ooh, am intently watching. That's spicy. No, no, I meant in like the whole playoffs as a whole. 
But no, I know what you let's mean. let's move into the Correa conversation because we're about ten minutes in and Actually, haven't even touched on yeah, it. Can so I let's not, do that? Fuck can that I say guy. one thing Let me real quick? Yeah. Let me say one thing real quick before we move on, and I think this is the perfect way to sum up our entire last conversation in one sentence. If the Astros win, and this is again, I took this from the short porch clip, so this is not my original thought, but I do agree with it. If the Astros win, everybody loses. If the Red Sox win, Yankees fans we lose. lose. Yeah. So misery loves company, right? Oh, so you're saying you want to be everybody losing? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, if, I think if that's we're going to be depressed either way. Fuck you to everybody no, in the league, that. rather than just like I, I could take the one L rather than the whole world of baseball taking an L. To but we them. already know the Astros are good without cheating. That's that was the thing. whole point, and that's that's why let's get into the Correa conversation because everybody knew him and Altuve and all of them were awesome before they cheated, and then they cheated which made it even worse because, like, you were already good. Why are you doing that? It'd be different if, like, the Tigers were cheating. They probably will now that they have uh, A.J. Hinch. A bad, bad analogy. Maybe, like, the, whatever. <laughs> Maybe the Mariners were cheating. That's why they were so good. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, let, let's get into the Correa conversation because, personally, I – when people – a lot of people are talking about it. So – it's obvious, and we're going to get into a lot of the individual free agent conversations as the offseason goes on. This is the one that has obviously come up because he's doing well in the postseason. He's just a good player, and he's very vocal and all that. The way I see it right now is that I would like to have Correa. And I've, I've, I've toyed with this back and forth, and I know you guys have different opinions. So I guess to play devil's advocate or not. like I initially wanted to do it as devil's advocate. Like I want to just like say I'm going to take Correa because... I know you guys won't. We'll have a good conversation. But I'm starting to convince myself that I want Correa. At first, hell no. Because he's an asshole. He's basically a villain. Like, he cheated. All this, that, and the third. At the end of the day, he's probably the best player available. He's definitely not cheating right now. Like, the spotlight's on him. Whether or not that's true, he's very goddamn good. I know you're making a face because you think Seager is the answer, too. But, you know, I'm just saying... I personally want him for the reasons that we've been talking about this whole season as this team has no identity, it, they don't care, they don't they don't show up, they don't act like they have any emotion or anything like that. Carlos Correa is everything that we don't have. He like whether good for good or for bad, it would and I I quoted this and I put this on social media. Like, we, every good Yankees team had villains. We took on A-Rod, who was fucking roided up. We took on Johnny Damon from the Red Sox and everything like that. And we welcomed him with open arms. He was fine. And regardless, I'm just saying, right now, the Yankees are being laughed at. I'd rather be hated because we took on this guy who is an asshole that we all hated because he was not on our team. I'd rather be hated than laughed at at every single good Yankees team has had villains on it, and that, that that's what I want. I want to be hated. Right now, we're being full-blown laughed at. Like, we had the, the, a high payroll, and we were the World Series favorites, or AL favorites at least, to make the World Series, and we got bounced in the wild card and almost didn't make the wild card. So, one, you're going to take one of the best available shortstops, defensively and offensively, and in October. Two, he's a very, very, very polarizing figure on the team and and to be honest the Astros rally around him because he is that polarizing guy who else there Altuve doesn't fucking talk 
And Correa is the guy who's outspoken. He eats that up. And, and that's how you know he would take the New York media is because he literally, like, just soaks it all in. He, he uses it as fuel. And, like, I'm just saying all this stuff because this is, like, all the reasons why we hated the Yankees this year. Like, everybody, like, even Judge, who is the captain, and I love Judge, he just never would give us something that would almost, I want somebody that can fuel the fire against us from the rest of the league to be those villains again because right now, we're being laughed at, and that's that's all I'm saying. And and I was talking to my friends who are Red Sox fans, and I was like, "No, I don't want Correa. He's a dickhead. Like he's probably the biggest cocksucker that exists." And he was like, "Yeah, because no one that plays for the Yankees are cocksuckers ever." Like, <laughs> and I heard that, and I was like, "Okay, you're probably right." I said, "Maybe we need a cocksucker. We honestly don't have a villain like that." And he goes, "Yankees are best when they're filled with dickheads." And the Red Sox are best when they're filled with goofy Dominicans. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> and that's just kind of how we need to go. Like, right now they got, you know, Devers and everything they had. Uh, it's just, it's a tale as old as time. So, I'll, I'll give the floor to you guys now. Because I know you guys don't agree with me. I, I don't think I've ever heard such blasphemy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, you're, you, I can't believe that you've just talked yourself into not just accepting Carlos Correa. Because if we go out and we sign Carlos Correa, sure, I'll probably talk myself in to liking the guy because he's on our team. And I don't want to actively hate somebody that's being good on the Yankees. So if that happens, power to you. But you're talking yourself into actively wanting Carlos Correa when there are five other decent shortstop second base options out there. Like out of those, you want Correa. The guy that cheated in 2017. The guy had no rem- or whatever guy that had no remorse about it afterwards, and you're turning that into he'll handle the New York media because he laughed in the media's face when they tried to call him out for cheating in that World Series run, and he is a huge piece of shit for that. And <laughs> I don't mind having a dickhead. I will take all the dickheads. I line them up like one through nine. Dickhead, dickhead, dickhead. Fine. I don't want Correa because he's a piece of shit. I really don't want him. And like he can be he can hit 400. He could break Ted Williams record for batting average in a single season. I don't care. I'm not going to like the guy. No, I'm with I don't, you. I don't I'd rather have Seager. I'd rather overpay I'd rather pay Seager 20 not, more million dollars for 10 less home I runs. I think they're probably I can actually same. like the guy. Here's the I thing though. I don't think him. Seager's a step down. I think Seager He's fits not. the team. I think Seager fits the team better. It's not even right. it's not even necessarily like yes, I fucking Correa has been my least favorite player in baseball for probably since the year he got called up. Before all this shit and the cheating and him being a dick, I've I am a Carlos Correa hater through and through. I hated him when he got me. pulled up. Well, Do you think no, he's so, worse than Altuve? Yeah. So, so I, I hate just... Correa. I've hated Correa since day one because he was hyped up as like fucking Ty Cobb when he came. I mean, he's good, but when he came up, he was not great. He came up, he was injured. He was playing decent baseball and they just kept fucking, the media just kept sucking him off. Like this is the next MVP, the next great player in the league. So that pissed me off. And then the cheating shit and then his smug fucking comments after it. I don't want him, and I'm in the same boat. If he, if the Yankees were to sign him, I would talk myself into him because he is a damn good player. That is what that is one thing I'll say. I hate him. He is my least favorite player in the league. He has been for years now, but 
he is very, very fucking good. I don't think he's as good as he was hyped up to be, but he's finally coming into – he wasn't, and now he's starting to develop into that, which is scary. But I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. I, and w- one thing I wanted to note, too, is he's – you know, everybody's going to ask the question, and when you look at the class of free agents – and by the way, I agree with everything you guys said. I, I'm, I'm saying this as – one, I would prefer Seager. I think Seager is a better fit. But – I'm saying this as an argument because I everybody's talking about number one and number two. I didn't think I I was immediately hell no I don't want Korea and now I've at least talked myself into the idea of him becoming a Yankee and going after him potentially because the rumors are there. You're hearing what he's saying about New York. Do you guys hear what he said? Where he said I didn't see New York, but I saw his comments about his contract. Oh, his comments about his contract. What did he say about his contract for the listeners who didn't hear? His contract, unless this is fake, I saw it from two or three different things. It was on Twitter, so take it however you may. But he said, if the Astros weren't willing to meet my asking price in spring training, then how are they going to do it now? I've posted a seven-plus war season, and I'm doing this in the playoffs. And here's the thing, too, and this is what my other friend was saying. I asked him, like, do you really think he's going to be available? Do you think the Astros let him go? And I think he is. He said they probably will let him go because it's his option almost at this point because the Red Sox, like he's going to want to get paid, obviously. He's going to get paid a lot. He's a very damn good player. And the Astros have been pinching him on money because of his past injuries. So, like, they he, – he's he's been fucked by them for injuries. And he's, he's – I mean, dude, he's coming to a point where he's either going to get paid – or he's gonna take a home discount. This is this is his big contract that he's gonna get. He's not gonna get a bigger one than now. He's no, gonna he's wanna... gonna get he's gonna get two fifty at least. Regardless, like this is the I time. More than that. This is the time where he's gonna get his biggest contract. He's not going to take a hometown discount. He's gonna get paid today, and that's only gonna go up if he keeps playing well in the postseason. And if they win a World Series and he's a World Series MVP, like yada yada yada. He's the heart and soul of that team. If they fucking keep going, he's only gonna get paid more. And to the question of if he would leave, I think he would. And to the question of, dude, I don't know. I, I, I think I mean, that, keep in mind, too, that Bregman, if I'm not mistaken, was a shortstop at LSU. So he was. You, you have Bregman, who was a Gold Spikes finalist shortstop that you could slide over. And the Astros are loaded in middle infield and third base talent. I don't think I don't honestly I think it's more realistic that he goes to the Yankees than the Astros maybe not more realistic but I don't I don't think it's crazy to think he's going to leave. It doesn't really seem to me just based off the media comments and stuff like that unless it's all one big facade, one big smoke screen. I don't think it's that crazy that he ends up somewhere else. I've seen to I've seen rumors of him to Detroit to meet up with AJ Hinch again. I've seen rumors of him wanting to play in New York. Well, he I've did seen say all, he did say something all about the rumors, New York and being like the pinstripes exactly. look good, but he didn't mention which shade of blue or something like that because it could be Mets or Yankees, which is entirely possible. I think okay, uh, you say pinstripes in New York. Yeah, yeah I'm that, just saying that's this. why he he's playing the game. Like he, I feel I feel a big off season. And this is very early, and I think we should move on after this. But I feel like he's he's the way it's shaping out and the way it seems to me. Is he's gonna have like a Trevor Bauer like offseason? He's oh. gonna play. He's gonna play the damn fucking. He's gonna play. He's not you know as obnoxious. I mean? 
He, he's he, not. He is quite as obnoxious. He's obnoxious in the media, but he doesn't have the YouTube channel, and his agent You're isn't. Right. I think he'll yeah, be. Rachel I think Luba, he'll be a close second, though. I think it's going to be something along the lines. I think of it's going to be dramatic and over, just way over drawn out. But I think I could see it something like. Um, and I love Bryce Harper. I could see it being something like Bryce Harper. You know, his kind of spilled out in the Man media, the dragged on to like February. And He's going to wait a different long time. Stuff. Yeah. So like a Machado but, or something, but the one think, thing I'll I think say Machado about it actually really good. I agree. Yeah, he's a little bit of an the, asshole. Yeah, a little bit. The one thing know. I'll say though is there's all these Correa rumors and all these things swirling around throughout. Well, our off season, not theirs, because they're good at baseball. But um, the one thing that remains consistent through all of them is all these rumors. The Astros aren't the team involved, right? Everything that we've read so far has been New York. It's been Detroit. It's been St. Louis. It's been the Angels. It's, and I know that's also partially due to the media needing stories and needing covers and clicks and everything like that. But there has to be some smoke there, at least a little bit. It, I just don't think it's a slam dunk that he's an Astro. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Like Freddie Freeman to the – Freddie Freeman to the Braves, slam dunk. I would be absolutely mind blown if he left the Braves. Carlos Correa, if he left the Astros, it would not surprise me one bit. That's all yeah, I'm saying. I mean, they've rubbed in the wrong way. And I think well, I think we've all said our piece. Obviously, I'm not gonna be overly ecstatic. I don't want don't hear what I'm what I'm not saying. It's like I the reason I brought it up is to be just to to show you guys the way that I've changed from my initial view with point, which was what you guys said. It's like complete no, don't even entertain the question i'm entertaining it now and that's that's all i want to put it out there is i wouldn't be super fucking pissed and just like not accepting of it if he did become a yankee because he's a fucking awesome player and i do like the idea of having a villain that's it if we're gonna overpay for a guy which i mean whoever's gonna pay for him is gonna overpay for him and if we bring in seager we're gonna overpay for him if we're gonna overpay for a guy it might as well be somebody we like not somebody that I absolutely despise and is for me. I, I hate Altuve more than I hate Correa. So my second least favorite player in baseball, I'd rather overpay for somebody. One last thing I, I want to bring up too, before you go Chandler is that, that you just reminded me of that one piece we didn't address is, do you think, and a lot of people are talking about this as well. Do you think he'll even be like, let's say the Yankees do bring him in. Do you think the Yankees would accept him? Yeah, well, that's actually something I, I was going to ask. That's kind of like a 1B to that. I saw something, again, Twitter rumors, so take it with a grain of salt, but I saw something that Judge and Correa kind of patched things up in their relationship. I don't know how true that is, but if that's true, I, look, the bottom line is this. Correa's a damn good player, and the Yankees players aren't stupid. Um, there's a few exceptions there. But, you know, for the most part, the Yankees players aren't stupid. They know that he's a damn good player. They know he can benefit the team. I think if he came in and kind of just <laughs> shut the fuck up and played baseball and, you know, would, you know, let bygones be bygones. They did it with Garrett Cole. Say what you want. I know Garrett Cole's not a hitter, but he came from the cheating Astros. Let it all kind of play itself out. I think if he comes in and the number one thing that determines whether or not they're going to accept him, accept him is if he performs, if he comes in and he puts his head down, he goes to work 
and he performs, I think that goes a long way with this team. And again, I don't really want Correa. Honestly, I think he's a fucking awesome shortstop. I think he's an awesome hitter. I think, and not only because I hate him, but I think Seager's just a better fit. But if you miss out on the Seager sweepstakes and you end up going that route, I'd be pissed because I hate him. But from a pure baseball perspective, I love it. And I think the players, I think they would be accepting after a little bit, as long as he did the right things when he got there. If he came in and acted like a total dipshit like he does now, I don't think he would be accepted well. I think I think it would cause tension, and I don't necessarily think it would set us back further, but because you're the Yankees, missing missing the playoffs right now to me seems inevitable if you don't change anything. So I don't think it would necessarily set us back further, but I think having him come in and act like the dickhead that he has been won't solve anything. I think we're just right back where we are if if he comes in that way. That's that's all I'm saying. If he comes in, changes his mindset, and is like, all right, I'm here to be a Yankee. I'm embracing the Yankee. I know I'm going to get some hate, and I'm going to go out here and do my thing. I'm going to play well. I'm going to keep my head down. I think the players embrace him, and I think the fans ultimately embrace him that way as well. It's going to take some time. Oh, it's going to take me two years at least. I yeah. I despise him, and I'll probably still hate him, but every time he hits him on me. Championship. Yeah, no. I, as Luke's, series, then I'm okay with it. As Luke likes to say, I'll be punching air when they sign him, but eventually, if he wins and he does and says the right things, I don't know that I'll accept him, but I'll get over it and I'll cheer for him. And here's the last thing I'll say on that, is he's an asshole. But he would be our asshole. Like it, it's it sucks no. not having him on your team. No. But no, no, no. I know that. I know, and I know he rubbed us the wrong way in every other way. But I meant going forward. If he was just an asshole to the world, like you wouldn't care because he's on your team. Like if you, like picture him doing all those things, you wouldn't care as much. The cheating, yes. I'm not talking about the cheating, but the way he handled it, you'd be like, yeah, whatever, because he's on your team. And it's like so that thing is that the way that he handled it was worse for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, mean, I don't like Correa, but I'm just, I was just to put a button on it, and I knew this was going to be a long conversation, so I didn't want to cut it short at all. But yeah, no, I, there are absolutely cons to it, but I was just addressing the potential pros to bring on Correa. Another thing that we wanted to talk about was obviously that Boone is looking like he's going to be back on the Yankees. They have just cleared house a, a little bit at least. They fired a not fired. They didn't pick up the option on three people for next year's Phil Nevin, Marcus Timms and who was the last one? PJ something. Some nonsense person. Basically they're cleaning house. Everybody that isn't named Boone and Matt Blake and Matt Blake is not going anywhere. Matt Blake was awesome. We're a big Matt Blake podcast, but I mean we, we kind of felt like this was going to happen. And it's not set in stone yet. This is just rumors, and we don't know how true that is. Hal hasn't said anything, but Buster only and other people are saying, you know, being quiet in this moment means things are to come. And then or if these are the things, they said that before, you know, Nevin and Tim's were fired. I'm, I'm going to say fired for all intents and purposes. They were fired. They weren't re-signed, but... Um, you know, they were saying the silence means that things are to come, but you're also getting reports that say he's Hal's leaning towards retaining Boone for next year. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've talked about it at length. We know, like, 
what we said before, definition of insanity is running the same thing back and expecting different results. I don't think firing Nevin and Thames and whatever you want to call their names, I don't think that's going to change fucking anything. I think Andrew from Bronx Pinstripe said it best. Like you fired, you fired the busboy and the waiter. Are you going to fire the cook for making bad food? Like it's 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 you're you're firing people that don't really matter that much. Like yeah, we're pissed at Nevin for sending Judge home on that play. I think are you going to be... say the whole season is the, uh, on him? Are you going to say that Thames or Tim's? I, don't, I still don't know how to say. It. Are you say I'm that not it's his saying fault that Tim's because is the we whole... couldn't hit. No, the players can't fucking hit. He's a little bit to do with it, and that goes for Boone as well. Boone is not the biggest problem, and I and that was the biggest comment I saw on our posts when we said that the Chandler's quote where <laughs> Boone was given the keys to a Ferrari, but he turned it into a Honda Accord. Accurate, but. And we, I, I made sure to put that in the caption that it's not all to blame on Boone. It's all, a lot on the players. It's a lot on Cashman for assembling this team. But there I'm is blame you, on Boone because Boone has not issue. been a good manager. If we had a good manager on top of all that, maybe we get a few extra wins. It's still not big. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it, the cook that, that Andrew was referring to was not Boone. It was Cashman. For those who couldn't read between those lines, it's like, mm-hmm. Cashman's the cook. He built this team. Are they going to fire that guy for building the shit team? Or are they going to fire all these pawns and patsies that are just as a result of the bad season because you won't fire the the big guy behind it all? And I don't think they will. And I don't even think they will fire Boone. And that's where I sit right now. I, I sit at them as a 75% chance of bringing Boone back. To me, there's two ways. There's two ways to look at Boone, right? So you have A, either he's a puppet. A hundred percent a puppet. Every move he's made is pre-calculated by Cashman. And that is an indictment on Cashman. Cashman, if that's the case, Cashman is even more at fault. I, regardless of that, Cashman is at fault for assembling. Yeah, you want to blame the players, okay, but who puts the players out there? Who pays the players? Who is the one that determines that these are the guys? That's Cashman. Cashman puts the team together. Instantly a fault. But if you want to take it a step further, if Boone really is a puppet and nothing he says matters and it's just, I'll be the fall guy, that's even more of a reason to fire Cashman. On the flip side of that, if Boone does have the ability to use his own brain and you know act like a baseball coach from time to time, then he has to fucking go. He has to go. If he's the one behind the bullpen decisions, and I'll refer back to it this because it's a perfect it's a perfect synopsis of Aaron Boone as a manager. Is that last series against the Rays where every game is a must win and the Rays are playing for nothing, and you bring in Michael King in an eight to two game rather than a tie game, and you bring in a Brayu in a tie game rather than an eight to two game. That right there is the perfect Aaron Boone slash analytics slash Brian Cashman, whoever's running the show of what is being called out there from the bullpen, from the pinch hitting, all of the moves that are made in game. I personally don't think Boone has a lot of say in it. And on that note, I agree. You know, people get upset and they're like, yeah, Boone's not the problem. And I agree. I don't think Boone is the whole problem. Cashman put this roster together. He put this shit bag together. But if Boone has the authority to make those decisions, which we'll never know because they'll always just give us the bullshit tailor-made answer, 
if he is the one who has the right and the say so in that instance, he has to fucking go. If he doesn't, then sure, whatever. But in order to dig deeper there, either way, Boone has to go. Because you either lose your puppet that is attached to Brian Cashman or you lose the guy who's making the dumbass decisions. So to me, even if Boone is an okay manager, again, we'll never know. I think he has to go regardless. And it, even if it's not necessarily his fault, he ha- there's no, there's no way he can redeem himself in the eyes of fans in the eyes of the rest of the league, really. So Murphy. Um, Dodgers win two one. Moving on. Um, sorry, I was, the, was I was a little Murphy bit. Mark. <laughs> I was a little bit uh, intensified on that. But anyway, um, fuck the yeah, Giants, no, I, man. Now I have a second heartbreak this season. Now I need another yeah. team. You're gonna be a Braves fan now. You got to be a Braves fan. We can be a Braves podcast. I really like the Braves, to be honest. How? I don't know. Just don't like them. I think Acuna is my favorite player in the game. That's I think that's game. probably it. He's not there, so I'm not really as excited by it. Um, so we're, we, as a big Braves podcast, are cheering for them because it would mean a lot to Acuna since he's hurt. I agree. We're, you know, I'm on the Braves train now. Okay. We're winning for Acuna. Team of destiny. All together. Yep. <laughs> Team of destiny. All right, moving on. Uh, I think we all feel the same way about this whole situation. We don't want Boone coming back, but... I don't. I really don't think he's not going to come back because it's yeah, like it, we. And we're I gonna, will say we will get the in the conversation. Goes, the longer it goes, the less confident I am that he's coming back. That's fair. And we're not going to talk about the alternatives right now because that's a whole another another conversation for a whole another day. There's that's too much to get into right now. But how many other yes men managers are on the market right now? And, and here's one man. more thing I do want to mention. I'm not going to get into the conversation about other managers because to to go on the other side of that comment I just made, people always say, like, who is available? Who is available right now that it's going to take over that's better than Boone? And to play devil's advocate here, too, who the hell are you and me and anybody here to guess who a good manager will be? Like, I don't know who the hell a good manager will be. Alex Cora, you had no idea who he was before he took over. He ended up being a good manager. Uh, fucking Kevin Cash, good manager. Who Did you know his name when he was hired? No. Like, that's not a good argument. You don't know. There's, there's, a, way to, to, there's a way to judge players. Like, oh, yeah, we know he's going to be good. There's a good prospect coming up in the system. He's going to be good. He's got film, whatever. How the hell do you judge a good manager, especially ones that are first-year managers? So, like, I don't agree with the fact that there's nothing available on the market. There totally can be people on the market that you just don't know. You don't know how they'll be managers. And I don't necessarily think it has to be. A lot of the names we're mentioning are first-year managers. Like, maybe we go with the guy, like, everybody's talking about Buck Showalter. Wouldn't be upset about it because he's a guy that's done it before. I, I would honestly, if I were to pick a new manager, and this is, again, like I said, a conversation for another day, I don't want to do the first-year manager thing again, but I'm just saying to those who think that they know that there's no one available, there's no way of knowing with managers. Like, I guess it's just trial and error to me. What? 
I'd be pretty happy with Showalter. And I was, I didn't, I was trying not to, I was trying desperately not to interrupt you there. Um, Appreciate it. As you were talking about all the first year managers. And I was going to say, we don't have to go that route. I know. I think the best, most telling thing was what JJ said. And he said, so basically the two things flying around right now are Boone getting fired or the flip side. The argument isn't for how good Boone is. The argument is, well, who's better? If you have to question that, then you don't have your manager. If your two arguments are who's better and no, then you don't have your guy, especially when you're the New York fucking Yankees. And with that, too, is there? there's two things that are on the table right now. And, and like you just said, you if, you're, you're, if your question is, you know, who's better than Boone on the market right now, there are there is definitely unknowns out there if we go with a new manager. But there's one known, and it's that Boone isn't a good manager. So, like, why not cut exactly. ties with that? The only thing we do know is he can't manage a bullpen. He can't manage pinch hitting. He's a pawn. Like, he just does all the things the management tells him to do, which may not change with a new manager. And that may, not, that may be why they don't want a new manager is because he's a good pawn. But you never know. You never know who's a good manager, and that's just the way – Like the, to the, the we've said everything. We've said all of our piece on this, and we'll leave it up to the team because the decision will hopefully be made soon. Probably won't be though, and uh, we'll talk about the potential options. See, here's the thing: we could talk about more options if they don't pick him up, because there's going to be a lot of time in between. So this is a conversation for another time. Let's move on. Tell me if this isn't the most accurate thing. They're going to wait until like January, drag it out, drag it out, drag it out, drag it out. And then they're going to end up firing him, and then we're going to scramble for a manager and settle. Could happen, which is why I don't want to talk about it right now, because there's going to be plenty of opportunities to talk about this, and I feel like this is a very annoying conversation to me to continue to have, and I've had this conversation already a few times on this pod. So if you guys are down, I'm down to not talk about this until real developments are made, and that means until Boone is either fired or hired. And if he's fired, then we could talk about vacancies. Because we all feel That's the fine. same way. We all feel the same but way. But I, I, I feel like we had to address it today, though, with oh, all the, co- the like onslaught of coaching changes. This had to be addressed. Yeah. So, But I am definitely down to not mention it again until we have concrete news. Yeah. I think we say that, but it's going to be one of those things where we – like we said we weren't going to mention Gary for the whole season, and then we mentioned We didn't, didn't really, though. Right. I shunned well, him. I feel like we're going to – we're gonna I brought him back up at the end because it's hard not to mention. Well, why are we gonna not mention it? It's the biggest story of the offseason okay. right now. We're not talking about who we're gonna bring in so much as we are talking about. It'll probably be mentioned here and there. Right I would prefer not to, but it's what we're gonna have to. Talk for those about. listening, we we're gonna podcast. do our we're, we're gonna, gonna do our damn best to not talk about it and beat a dead horse. But if it comes up, we're gonna talk about it. But we do have a lot of things planned for this offseason, so it's we will have a lot of things to fill. But. uh I hope it's not the main topic of conversation, but it probably will be. Moving on. Uh, Shall bef- we get to the awards? Before we get to the awards, I wanted to bring up one funny thing that I did see. Is I don't know if anybody else saw this. It was on social media. Our, our friends at the Four Train Savages podcast, another Yankees podcast, good guys. Um, they posted this thing about uh, Pete Rose. I don't know if this is true. I hope it is, but it uh, is true. Confirmed. True. I listened. I listened to it. Yeah. Oh, damn, I wish I had that the audio queued up, but I'll, I'll read it out loud. Uh, Pete Rose is talking about, like, Gallo and just, like, the Yankees in general, and I just thought it was funny uh, because he's like, that was the worst, he says, bleeping, but fucking lineup 
they could have put on the field. Rose said to USA Today, Bob Nightingale, their six, seven, eight, nine hitters were all out men. They have Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton to do something if they didn't. All the pressure was on Gallo, and you saw how that worked out. Then he took the criticism of Gallo a step further. This is Pete Rose. He said, how does someone who didn't play every day strike out 213 times? Rose says, Ray Charles wouldn't strike out that much. I can't imagine striking out 213 times without killing myself. <laughs> and Damn. I know I know Chandler has heard that before, but Murph hasn't, so I want Murph to have the opening coming on that. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. He might be taking it a little too far, but he's not that wrong. Oh, like, he's dead on. I don't know. Like, you would like to think that the Yankees could put together a lineup, but, like, he's right. Six through nine were out, man. You had Judge and Stanton that you were relying on. DJ was sort of an afterthought. He hit for a decent average for most people, but not what he should have done. And then a lot did fall on Gallo, and he shouldn't have been in that spot, and he struck out a million times, like, he, there, Gallo was there is bad. nothing in that blurb that it was wrong. No, it was a, Gallo was bad, 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 it, bad, bad in New York. Uh, and again, I'm not Still going to. As a guy, I'm. I don't like to defend Cashman very much. I'll defend him on the Gallo trade because he was advertised as high on base, Gold Glove defense. We needed both of those. No yeah. double plays. And mention lefty home run, and and he's a lefty bat. So I understand it, but he was a catastrophic failure. And you know, I was actually talking to my friend about it the might other get day. Get an award tonight. He might or nominated for an award. Stay tuned. But well, just to put a bow on this Gallo conversation, I was talking to my friend about it the other day, and he brought up a good point that I didn't even think about. He's like, you know, when scouts are looking at this. And people are looking at this and you acquire Gallo and there's all the fireworks behind it and everything. Do people not realize? And again, I missed this too. I was just so wrapped up and excited that we made a move. You can pitch around Gallo when he's in Texas. That's probably why he walks so much. Cause who the fuck else in that lineup is scary. Really? It's, and I didn't even consider it. I didn't like, so you you can pitch you can walk Gallo on four pitches and then the next guy's gonna get ground to a double play because the rest of the team is double A players. So his numbers are probably a little inflated, and then you bring him to the Yankees where if you walk Gallo, like you have people that can hit fucking bombs, or you can just go after Gallo, the high strikeout guy, and see what happens. And once in a blue moon he'll hit a bomb, but you can't pitch around Gallo as much in New York as you can on the Texas Rangers. And that I was like, fuck, I didn't even think about that, but that does not bode well for the future. And maybe he never grounded a double place because nobody was on. Yeah, exactly. And now he's grounded it. He, I think he grounded like four in New York and he grounded to three or four in his entire career before that. So if one thing doesn't stick around next year, I hope the double plays just fucking never come back. But that was a nightmare. Moving on. Let's get into the awards. So this is the first we annual some music for this. I know I don't have any music. I will have music for next time. I promise that because I need to have some some build up, some drum rolls, the whole nine yards for the reveal next year of who wins the awards and the, who who decides this is you guys, the listeners, the followers of the podcast, and on Twitter and Instagram we're gonna put polls out on the stories and we're going to put the polls out on the Twitter. I'm gonna count up the results for everything. 
I'm excited that it's out of our hands for who decides these. We just nominated them, but you guys decide. So it'll be, and I'll look at the results, but you guys, I don't want you guys to check the accounts so you don't see anything. So you guys will be just as shocked on next Friday's episode when we do reveal this. So what we did, we have a lot of awards that we want to get to that basically round out what happened this year. And we each nominated one person per award. And we're going to give our pitch as to like a short pitch as to why that person deserves the award. And there's some funny ones, some serious ones, and then a few that are about us and our takes this year. And we're going to go through them and we're going to post them. And we'll see what you guys think. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's the first annual. And I think this will be a fun thing going forward every year on the podcast. I'm going to save this for next year on my computer so we can check out and be fun to look back. And this time next year when we do this episode, It'll be fun to mention, like, oh, who won that award last year and and so forth. So without further ado, the first one in the rules for this is, like I said, we're each nominating one person per award tonight. Damon's not here, so we did his, we have his picks separately. Uh, we're going to put the polls in the story, and we're going to announce the winners. Uh, multiple play, A player can win multiple awards. It's obviously a player can be up for multiple different ones. So if they win multiple awards. And one thing that I did want to throw in there also is that I wanted to whoever wins the most awards and comes away with the most hardware at the end of t- at the end of next week, we call him Mister One Sixty One, and he is just going to be our designated favorite player next year, whether he's on the team or not. And whatever, and it'd be more fun if he was on the team. And let's say you know, Nestor Cortez comes away with Mister One Sixty One. He wins the most awards at the end of the night. He, no matter what he does next season, he could be the worst goddamn player in the world. We can never speak bad about him, no matter what. If he, if there's a time we were to criticize him, we just move on. <laughs> like he's just I've got our a guy. With that. What? I also have a problem with that. Okay. I have, well, I have a couple. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of these awards are not exactly positive. So why I know. are that doesn't we matter. facing our favorite player? Okay. Come home with the hardware. That's no, um, ba- no, no, nothing. No, there's no bad PR. I'm still gonna talk bad about people next year, even if they yeah, win. That's the, most the other awards. thing. I mean, we make a living off talking. If bad about if people. somebody on this list, we'll just call him Player X. If he comes out next year, uh, let's call him Gary for fun. If Player <laughs> Gary, did you mean, mean Heaney or Gary? <laughs> yeah. If if Player Gary, I'm Andrew again Sanchez. just making up a random name. Um, if oh, he I'm were to come out with here. the most Gary. awards. <laughs> Uh, I'm still going to talk bad about him if he were to be here next year. Again, whatever that player may be, Gary, I would I would still talk bad about him if it was deserving. All right, moving on. So the first award, I agree with you. So that, that okay. part is I'm lenient with. But the rest of it is set in stone from here okay. till the end of time, to the end of this podcast, which hopefully never happens. Hopefully, I hope we make it to our 80s and we're talking about this. I hope Chandler's here in the city with me. Murph is in the great north still. So first award is team MVP. I figured we'd start with the real and the serious ones at first. We'll mix in a few funny ones here and there and end with the ones about us. Team MVP, my vote, got to be Aaron Judge. That's I think Judge has done everything for this team. He has just hit. He's fielded. He even fucking runs. He finally played a fully healthy season, and 
I mean, it speaks for himself. The, the clutch numbers he's had, he's second to stand in all of the go-aheads on the team, in, in the MLB, not only just on the team. Just a damn good baseball player who deserves to be the MVP of this team. I thought George was mine. Did you read that right? Could be yours, could be mine. Go. You can give a case for the next guy, or I can give a case for the next guy. No, I mean, go ahead. I think I don't think the the individual person who picks each matters. I think the ma- okay, the, the point is that we have. that he's on the list. We each have a representative right. on the list. Yeah, fair. So right. give your case no, for I, the I next mean, guy. Who was our next guy? Cole Stanton, Luizaga. Stanton. No, the next we had guy. four. So. So you just Come on. told everybody uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll, the other three with no suspense. Oh, All the suspense out the window. Those were actually the four. Sorry. Judge Stanton, um, Luizaga, and Cole are the four for this. Uh. Give your case for Sten real quick. Uh, I feel like we were going along earlier, thinking about a lot of the moments that we liked, a lot of the clutch moments. Stan's name came up a lot. He had a mostly healthy season, and he did. He exceeded the, our expectations both health-wise and production-wise. Yeah, so very similar. I feel like it's hard not to throw him in there. So I'll go with Luizaga. Uh Kind of an under-the-radar coming in and this might be a little hometown bias because i've always been high on lasagna but uh but this year it's actually warranted coming into probably july but maybe even june who's the one guy that you are confident in coming out of the bullpen in any situation uh, to the point where he was almost talked about replacing chapman in a hypothetical playoff series which obviously we never made but the fact that he worked his way into that discussion, I think is telling enough. He was locked down. He struck out everybody on the fucking face of the planet. He got us hyped. Uh, for the first time in his career, he located his pitches and it was something of beauty, which hats off to Mr. Matt Blake, the only coach that I don't want to spend the rest of his life in Siberia. Um, yeah. I, I think Luizaga has a sneaky MVP case just for, for that, uh, without Loizaga, God fucking knows where this bullpen would have led us. If you, you have some of those assholes, Nick Nelson, Brooks Krisky coming in to bridge the gap rather than Loizaga, especially when you have Britain go down and all this other stuff, who I, we missed the playoffs. I think Loizaga is just so, so, so important. So. And then the fourth one, obviously, was Cole, and that's for obvious reasons. He has a borderline Cy Young case. September kind of fucked him, but before that, he was the front runner, in my opinion. So Agreed. I don't think he's going to win this because of his, his recent bias. Or everyone's going to have the recent bias towards it. And I think the Judge and Sand are more deserving, deserving of it. I'm curious who's going to win out of those two, considering the black eye that has been on Stanton as a player. And I'm curious to see if the postseason, postseasons, plural, are enough to, because uh, basically the team MVP right now is basically who is the golden child of the Yankees going right now, like who who's our who is the Yankees' favorite player essentially, and I, but like before the season I would say Judge no doubt. I think a case is to be made for Stanton. My vote would I be think Stanton. Judge runs him. I think Judge runs away with it. I mean, what I a rags-to-riches story for Stan because we were – I listened to a little bit of his roll call episode earlier today looking for a cold take of mine and um, just, like, get the words right. And we were talking about Stan just saying 
if he's healthy, we're fine with that. Yet alone, like, does he play well? And lo and behold, here we are at the end of the season talking about him making a legitimate case for being the MVP of the team. So snaps around for Stan because he exceeded a lot of people's expectations. No, he did. And I, and Andrew from Bronx Midtrips was on his roll call before, and he said if he – what were the exact terms? If he played over 130 games and 130 OPS plus? Yeah, it was somewhere around like if he played 75% of the games at 130-plus OPS clip. And I don't have the quick math for what that. 75% of 162 is, but he played 139 games and he had 136 OPS plus. So there you go. Good job, Mike. Snaps. <laughs> Snaps Good in. job. All right, moving on. Next one, uh, the other big main one, Cy Young. The nominees are, does anybody want to start? I'll lead off with Garrett Cole, uh, the obvious one for obvious reasons. Same reason he's in the MVP category. No need yep. to no need get to crazy discuss on that more. one. Murph? Another exceeding expectations guy, and for the same reasons we mentioned earlier, Jonathan Wiseka. Um, led the bullpen in war and was the staple of the yeah. bullpen. Mentioned him for the MVP. Obviously, if you're in the MVP conversation, you're going to be in the Cy Young conversation as well if you're a pitcher. So the remaining two that I'll, I'll mention are Jordan Montgomery is absolutely in this conversation. He was yeah. so consistent all year, uh, arguably one of the bigger surprises. That might be another award later. But Montgomery, what did he have? What was it, like 13 straight starts of three runs or less? coming down? There, there was – a point where Montgomery in the second half was pitching better than Garrett Cole. So, yeah. I mean, he, he was damn good this year. He just didn't get run support, which sucks. The other one on this list of the four, Nestor Cortez obviously has to be on this list. He is yeah. just coming from somebody who didn't do anything in his entire career. And then he comes out and he's, he's a saving grace who borderline a almost knife, who, a jackknife. If Murphy was here, not in the bathroom, he would appreciate that part. But <laughs> like he, Borderline made his way onto that MVP list. He was probably the fourth, the, the last guy off the list or or close to it. I mean, unbelievable year. I'm curious who is going to – I'm curious how much Garrett Cole's recent outings are going to take away from this. But I think the obvious answer is Garrett Cole. But I, I do think there is room for a Nestor or a Loisga to win it if if the audience feels so – inclined to uh, take these last few months into consideration or month and playoffs into consideration. And I think if they do fine, because you know, we did, we did pay him a ton of money to be that guy in the wild card that we can call on and he does it and he didn't. So I think if they don't vote him as the Cy Young, I, I don't think it's correct. I would vote him to be the Cy Young because of you look at the whole year of dominance, but I wouldn't have a problem with it if Nestor Cortez won it because of how, Useful Much of he a jackknife he is. Yeah, exactly. You were gone while we were talking about jackknife. No, I, I heard it. I have okay. an AirPod in, and my bathroom is on the other side of that wall, so I All heard right. it. Good. Don't so, next award I want to move to was best surprise this year, and that this one and the next one biggest disappointment to peel back the curtain. There, two of the ones that are very controversial. There's there's some heat in this one. There, those are the two like cookie cutter awards we're gonna give away. Now we're gonna get into some some fun ones. Best surprise, Murph, who's your first nomination for best surprise? 
right. I kind of, I know we narrowed it down a little bit. Um, yeah, Luke, you're probably going to have to read them yeah, you once might have we to, get down you to these because you have the four. list of the, yeah, you have the list of the I have, the, I have my list of the potential ones. Okay, so I'll, I'll read it out. So best surprise, the four nominees are Nestor Cortez, Nestor Cortez, Jonathan Luizaga, Clay Holmes, and Jordan Montgomery. So, Murph, if you want to give your case for your nominee. Yeah, I remember now that I nominated Belize. We'll do that going forward, then. This would be the easiest way to do it. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think they're all decent candidates. Funny that they're all pitchers. But, um, yeah, kind of for the same reasons as it's always been. Uh, He was a borderline starter that we weren't that confident starting at the beginning of the year. And Chandler called it at the beginning of the year, said he's going to be a bullpen guy and he's going to be a relied upon bullpen guy. And he was, which was a surprise to all of us. We let's put it this way. We lumped him in at the beginning of the year in a roll call episode with Luis Sessa. Okay. But Luis Sessa, if we kept him might also be up for Saya. So maybe it was just the magic of the episode. Disagree. But either way, Luke, you're up next. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Clay Holmes on this because Clay Holmes is somebody no, I who, who I, I think we we made I made a joke about it on the the last like the season obituary, and we that we welcomed him with open arms. We did not, we and did. I don't think anybody in this entire world welcomed him with open arms. He was like a nobody, and he ended up being one of our most nasty dominant relievers down the stretch, and a guy that we relied upon in the playoffs to to really like if we. We talked about it before the wild card. Like, who do we want to see? Clay Holmes is near the top of that list of people we want to see yep. out of the pen if Cole shit the bed. And, I mean, for good reason. He, he's nasty. His yeah. sinker was fucking good. And, like, there's nothing more that needs to be said. If you watch this season, you saw it. I mean, that that is no. that is by definition a surprise. <laughs> so, I think that Cole shit big. the bed and Clay put his nuts on the table for us and got us out of that inning. If... We got our ass handed to us in that wild card game. Don't get me wrong, but if Clay Holmes doesn't come in and mop up Cole's shit show, that could have been it. Could have been uglier, quicker. Yeah, and and one thing I do want to note for the best surprise and biggest disappointment is a lot of it has to do with where your expectations were before the season. So if your expectations, I mean, for for Nestor, who's going out for this role, I mean, what were your expectations for him? Nothing. And then Nothing. what did he end up doing? A lot, a lot, jackknife, everything. So that is a big determinant of what you think he deserves here. Same goes for Loisga. Like you said, he shared a roll call with Sessa. Didn't get his own one. He will for sure. And now he's the borderline closer this year and will be for the future. And I think he solidified that. He's our our top reliever. And and that's, that's a crazy change in expectation level. If you just look at it from this before this season, his roll call to this next season in the roll call, what he's going to get? That's the that's the change we're looking at, and that's the change we'll look at on the reverse end for the other way. So when you guys are voting, keep that in mind. The Clay Holmes and thing the is final wild, one, and Montgomery final is the one, last Montgomery. one. And that's, Montgomery is just coming to the year, especially he'd been hurt, everything like that. You get Kluber, you get Tyone, you expect Montgomery to be a five starter who gives you decent innings and just keep you in the game, hopefully. 
And he turned out to be at one point down the stretch with the conversation really and truly became who would start a hypothetical game two behind Garrett Cole. And Montgomery was probably that guy. He, like I said earlier, he had that stretch from uh, June or so until obviously his last start where he blew up against the Rays, but from June until mid September, late September, where he went 13 or 14 straight starts of three earned runs or less. He was beating Garrett Cole and a lot of the major stats during that biggest surprise. I mean, that's, that would, that was my initial nominee was Montgomery, if I remember correctly. And I, again, no, he's not the best pitcher pitcher on the planet. If you look at his face value stats, they're meh, but I think he, without Montgomery this year, again, He's another guy where if he doesn't show up and he doesn't surprise, we miss the playoffs. So, Agreed. And I think by definition, that's definitely a surprise, but I think I don't think he has a chance to win it over some of the other guys that are just straight no, up. But like surprises out of the dark. And other honorable mentions I wanted to list out for this that didn't get the nomination by us are Odor was a pretty big one. I mean, pretty good surprise. Like He was bad, but... Overall, he was bad, but he had moments where he had flared for the dramatic. Uh, Luis Heal, rookie, a lot of hype going into his name, just everything like that, but he, he showed out. That was awesome. Wandy, no expectations for him, and he ended up being good, so that was really fucking cool. Um, Litke, we called him J-Ab Jr., and he ended up being one of the more reliable relievers we have on the team. Tyler Wade and Greg Allen, those guys, no expectations at all, and they ended up being good. So, like, obviously not one of the top four in that list, but worth worth noting those guys. Okay. Agreed. Biggest disappointment. Moving on. Biggest disappointment. The four nominees are Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayhew, Joey Gallo, and Zach Britton. Who wants to take it away first? I'll take Glaber because that was my, he was the first one you listed and that was mine because I remember vividly sitting in our Tampa Airbnb when we went down to our spring training trip this year. And, you know, I might have spent a little too long in the airport lounge, but I made a very, very good case in my eyes that Glaber Torres. And I think you agreed with me, Rella, that he would have the most MVP votes on the Yankees that he was going to be the bounce-back candidate, the guy on the Yankees that we build around. Not that Judge was – and I'm pretty sure we talked about this. Not that Judge is necessarily expandable, but he what, he was kind of taking a backseat to Torres as far as the cornerstone piece. And my God, were we wrong on that. I, I mean, that is just – we are fucking stupid. I don't know how else to put it. Glaber Torres shit the bed this year. That's no, I mean, there's no other way to put it. He's not the shortstop of the future. Obviously, we just had the Correa and the Seager talk earlier. He shit the bed in his opportunity. I think they've abandoned that altogether. All in all, just terrible fucking year. Uh, he kind of shaped up offensively when he moved to second, but this is a guy that you expect to be your franchise cornerstone one of your building blocks and he hit two he ended up hitting 250 and making errors every other play enough to where he lost his job at shortstop so big disappointment in my eyes 
I'm with you. Um, I think I actually nominated DJ for this, but I'm going to talk about Britain. Sorry, one quick sec. I got to open my door. I have an echo. You know, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'll, I'll take it on DJ right now. DJ, when you think about expectations and then you go to what he ended up doing, I mean, he's coming into this season being top four in MVP voting two years in a row. And that's just, like, to put up the numbers you put up this year, very average numbers, that's 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 horrible. That is, a by definition, disappointment. So my vote would be to DJ. And, uh, yeah, Glaber was very disappointing. I bought a ton of his rookie cards this year. I was on the camp that he could have that next step forward and be a potential MVP candidate. I said that he would he would be up there in MVP votes on the Yankees. Uh, when you look back at it right now and you'd be like, okay, who would get the most votes? I thought he would get some. Uh, did I think that would happen? No. And I'm very disappointed by that. I think DJ is more so disappointed because we're, we're not voting on him to take a leap. Like we were with Glaber. We were, ho- we were hoping that Glaber would take a leap. DJ, we knew, was a top four MVP two years in a row. And then he ended up being, I mean, he's the heart and soul of this team. He just got the contract. Very disappointing. I think if he doesn't win this award for the biggest disappointment, I'll be disappointed because that's, this is the answer, I think. You're muted, Murph. You're absolutely right, and I think DJ might be the obvious <laughs> choice. <laughs> Sorry, I was I didn't want the rolling to shut the door to be. But uh either way, uh the reason I want to talk about Britain is because I think DJ is a little obvious. And I think Britain slides under the radar because of how well he was replaced when he was hurt. Uh and how well the bullpen performed as a whole compared to the rest of the Yankees. And he pitched in 20 games this year and he significantly underperformed. I mean, you're talking like a five ERA as opposed to a sub two or ERA for most of his time with the Yankees. He was basically the wise get turned into Britain, which was great for both of them. But Britain, I think significantly disappointed and underperformed. And now you're going from a guy who's a bottom back three inning guy to all of a sudden, do you even want him in the bullpen next year? He won't and be there next pretty, year. And he, yeah, and that's a pretty big slide. Zach Britton's time as a Yankee is up. And to me, I before we got on here and we were discussing the candidates, I actually very, very aggressively disagreed with Britton. I had no expectations for him. He was coming off elbow surgery. He, I think Britton has been a disappointment for more than just this year now. So him performing bad didn't surprise me at all, but I'm okay with him on the list just because coming to the Yankees with the pedigree he had, he was expected to be amazing. And like I said, and it's a story that I've told multiple times on here and, and probably 200 times in life in general is I vividly remember sitting in the stands watching Britain walk the bases loaded. And I talked to a guy and his son and just about how fucking terrible it was. And me and like a 48 year old guy just sat there and dog cussed Zach Britton in front of his like eight year old son for 45 straight minutes. And this is when he was still in his quote unquote prime. So yes, he's been a disappointment this year, but, to me, I think the I think the main vote has to go to either DJ or Glaber. 
but yeah, I do but... I do agree with him being on the list. Yep, and Gallo's on the list too because that was disappointing in general. Um, next uh, next one was one of the bigger ones that we wanted to get to. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a bloodbath. This is gonna be an absolute dogfight for who wins this award. It's not somebody who wants to win this award, but this is gonna be the Sunmeister. And the Sunmeister, or Mayor of the Sun, however you want to put it. For those of you just tuning in for the first time, I don't know why you would be in a season review episode right now, but for those tuning in for the first time, a big theme this year was sending people to the sun. So of the people that were sent to the sun, that we, we actually created the Mayor of the Sun at first. It was for Jay Bruce. He created this this position. Uh, but people have taken it over since then, and... We are going to let the people decide. And this person will forever live in infamy on the on the 2021 Yankees season. And the nominees for the Mayor of the Sun, or the Sun Meister, is Andrew Haney, Jay Bruce, Brooks Kriske, and Nick Nelson. So I, I'm, I think this is a, two, a two-man race for the Mayor of the Sun. But I, I think this, this is... And I'll start, I think... Andrew Heaney, it, it, like I was saying before, who created this position was Jay Bruce. He he made he was so bad. We were talking about him being the worst Yankee to ever we be on the Yankees. He was we, the inspiration for the Sun to begin. Yes, he created the Sun, and we forced we him into retirement. A grown man into retirement. Yes, and I think with all that being said, Andrew Heaney was so goddamn bad that he made all of New York and then some and every Yankee fan in the world genuinely hate somebody and wish bad upon them. Like, he was so bad in every spot imaginable. He was being used for better or worse. I don't know why Boone was asking to use him and he wanted to use him, punting games away. He was the designated punter. He was Pat McAfee, and he and he just, like, don't, kept using him. And in every imaginable, ima- every imaginable spot, he was used and he fucked up. Every spot who where he could fuck up, he did fuck up. And that is why I think he is taking over the position that was created by Jay Bruce. I mean, you that is disrespectful to he, Pat. He also Dave. started the Field of Dreams game, which I will never oh. understand why that was... The, like One of the bigger... And it ended up being a great game and great spectacle that they put on for pregame and all that. Why? Like, why? If there was ever a reason to go back to the whole Boone being fired thing, if that was his decision, whoever decision it was, that person needs to be fired. Because, like, the MLB is putting on something great, and you put the MLB's worst out there. You literally have this whole thing, and everybody's walking out of the corn. It gives you chills as a baseball fan. And then... Eliminated. I have good, I have good chills, and I'm watching all this, and I was like, yeah, it'll probably be cheesy, and I saw everything happen. I was like, this is fucking sweet. And then Andrew Heaney takes him, I was like, oh, oh, there we are, back to reality. It's just another Friday night in the Bronx, and I guess we'll see you tomorrow because this one's over early. And I think Heaney gave up eight. So, like, Andrew Heaney's the worst fucking pitcher I've ever seen. And I agree that he's probably going to run away with this award, but I want to, I want to shine some light on my man, Brooks Krisky for four wild pitches in one inning to blow the Red Sox game. Hmm. Um, Mr. Krisky, what the fuck, man? What a, what a just awful, 
<laughs> awful, awful display of baseball. I like grow at least a half a testicle if you're gonna fucking go out there and try and I. And again, shit on Boone for putting him out there, but like, what the fuck, man? Be better than that. He's on here for obvious reasons. Brooks Bruce Kriske's fucking atrocious. And then he came in later, his first appearance back to the Blue Jays and gave up like, I think he gave up a two-run shot to Simeon in a grand slam without recording it out. And they're like, oh, well, there he is. There's fucking Brooks Kriske, the batting practice pitcher, comes in and gets rocked and hence why he's in Sunmeister territory. So, Agreed. Moving on to the next one. This one is called the Brinks Truck Award. And this is going to go to our number one free agent that we want to go after this offseason. We talked about it a little bit with the Correa stuff. Uh, the nominees are Correa, because that's just a big controversial one, so he has to be on this list. This was the consensus one. Uh just the the extra one. We all voted on somebody else. Like all, all three of us in the podcast today, we all picked somebody else. I picked Starlin Marte as my number one move to make this offseason. Corey Seager and Carlos Rodon are the other ones. So I think this is a fun one in particular that you guys are voting on because we all put our individual votes in for who is nominated for this this position. Uh, whoever you guys vote on that wins this, we are going to like we as a podcast are going to ride with you guys because we nominated four that we would we would like on this team, I, whether it be the the Correa thing, whatever. But and I would be shocked if he did win this because there are better options available. On the, the other three that we just listed are are better than Correa to to sign and they make more sense. But whoever you guys vote on, I I'm going to we as a podcast are going to ride with and we're gonna we're gonna push for. And speak it out into existence, and just like Darren O'Day, make it you happen. Can write it. You can also write in Trevor Story instead of Correa if you want to. You could. I'd rather see him than Correa. Agreed. I think we needed to put him on there just just to have because. No, I agree. So, uh, Murphy, take us away with Corey Seager, will you? Because I think he's the I think he's the biggest domino. Yeah, in the whole like I'll thing. I'll keep that one short and sweet. I mean, it's not I don't have to convince any Yankee fan out there that Corey Seager would be a great fit. It's been like something that we've been eyeing for a couple of years. It feels like it's like all right, well, if Glaber doesn't work out or if you know Gia doesn't work out, then we have Seager coming down the pipeline. He's a young guy. He's a lefty. He's a good fielder. He want it, it. His connection to New York has been there for a little while. Um. And I feel like he's a pretty obvious choice. As Career choice. 131 OPS plus, and he also has one season out of seven with a strikeout percentage above 20%. So that's what we need. And he is a gap-to-gap guy rather than a just fucking dead pole power hitter. So, Mr. Corey Seager, if you're listening to this after you clinched, I know that all great Dodgers want to listen to the boys of 161st Street to celebrate. Please come home to New York, and I will love you and buy you a jersey. Or buy a jersey oh, of you. I'm buying a Seager jersey day one if he, if he signs. What I might buy one even if he doesn't. No, uh, I TBD. he is five right now. not retired well yeah all right uh i think i've i've talked about this a bunch Starlin Marte. i think it's obvious that why we need it hicks is not an existent person um we need a center fielder pretty fucking obvious judge has been playing with the center field moving there 
<sighs> Sorry, it's late. We're, all we're recording tired. this. Yeah. Judd has been playing in center field. He's been fine. He's been great. Uh, but I, I, don't, I don't think that he's the long-term solution. I think Marte is more than just... That's why I was after him in the in the uh, trade deadline episodes we were talking about. I wanted Starlin Marte to be that guy. And he could have been just not only for that plug-in spot, but also for the future. And that's why the same holds true to be why I want him now. is Because I think he is that center fielder of the future. He hits for average. He hits for... Power if he needs to. He steals bases. He stole 47 bases this year. We desperately need speed. This team's been better when we had speed. I mean, he checks every box. He plays damn good defense. He he could move right into that leadoff spot if if DJ doesn't want to be that guy anymore. It just makes a ton of sense. And, yeah. So. I agree. Uh, Chandler seems to be having some technical difficulties. But if we want to talk about Rodon. Um, yeah, I mean, Rodon's the best pitcher I, available on, on the market right now. He's on a, he's, he's clearly done it very well, and, I mean, we need pitching. We need, we need pitching depth behind Garrett Cole. So. Is he the only all-star that's going to be a free agent? I do believe he Pitcher, is. Pitchers-wise? Yeah, I, I do think so. His ERA plus was a 183. That is bananas. Yeah, that's bananas. He, I mean, he's going to get Cy Young votes as well. Um, moving on to the next one, moment of the year. This is a fun one to when, like, when you look back and reminisce on the whole thing, like I said, in the obituary situation. I mean, we we had so many moments that honestly were fun when you look back on it. Some weren't fun and some were definitely a lot of fun. One that Damon wanted to put out there, was that Stanton Grand Slam go-ahead versus Boston at the end of the year. And we, me and him were both in Supply House, the, the bar next to us. And that was so much goddamn fun just watching that. So that that's one for me. And and with a lot of these ones, it's like a, you remember where you were in that moment. And I remember where the fuck I was for that. And that holds true for the rest of these as well. But that one definitely needs to be on there. Another moment of the year. Stands, a lot of these, <laughs> the trend is Stanton as well. And Stanton's home, home run go-ahead in the Field of Dreams game. That was what Murphy said. That was a fantastic time, too. That was Judge and Stanton. Both played a role in that, but Stanton's was the one that went ahead. Obviously, Britain blew it at the end, but that was an, a phenomenal, isolated moment. Um, the Kluber no-hitter has to make it on this list. I think that's obvious if he doesn't make it on that list. Um there was two. There's, I think Cole versus the Astros has to be on there because just the buildup of that and him coming to see the Astros again for the first time in a while, for the first time ever since being a Yankee, I mean. Um, and then him going out and shoving nine-game shutout, just fucking fantastic. So when you look at all that, that made the list over... A few of the other ones. A few of the other ones were, you know, game-ending triple play against the White Sox. I see Slide in the chat also said that that was fantastic. That was an honorable mention. That and Loisiga, base the bases loaded jam that he got out of against the White against the Red Sox was also fucking awesome. So, I mean, when you look at that, Murph, what do you think? I'm not gonna lie, I zoned out. <laughs> Um, late night, sorry. 
I was kind of reading our DMs here. Of all those, like, give give your reason why you think that the Field of Dreams one is the best. Oh, oh, um, yeah. So I think, like you said earlier, I was kind of paying attention. Not at the same time, but obviously, it was spoiled. Um, it kind of gave me a little bit of the whole DJ LeMayhew versus the Astros sort of vibe, where that, like, as a solo moment two years ago, was probably the best moment. I know we were in the same place when we were watching that together, and that. Even what came later didn't really spoil what happened when we were actually watching that. And that, as a solidified moment, was great. So I know that it was spoiled later by the Tim Anderson home run. But I turned that game on. I just remember right before the Stanton home run. And I missed – I was working, so I missed, like, the whole beginning half of the game. Turned it on, saw the Stanton home run. It was electric. And, I mean, it carried a little bit of momentum uh, until, obviously – and blew it up do we have you chandler yeah no i'm here sorry about that <laughs> fucking disaster here um yeah sorry all right so where what what, what were you obviously it's the moment of the year um field of dreams he blew it what what are the uh the nominees here we got the moving on to the next award you <laughs> talked about it already okay uh, i was that, gonna say you asked me if i was here best. i was trying to find a good nice transition in your favorite my... award cuck of the year oh so, yeah so cuck of the year uh the nominees for cuck of the year and could you please define cuck for us for the for the people listening at home i'm not gonna give you the dictionary definition i'm just gonna say what we base the award off of this, there's a look about him, right? You look at a guy, spoiler, here's one of the nominees. You look at Andrew Heaney. He just looks like a cuck. He looks like a sad <laughs> sack of shit that he provides nothing to the game. He knows he sucks, and he's just a, he's just, he's just a sad person is what we're going to go with. He sucks, and he's sad, and they, they, they fit the bill. You hear the word cuck, you think of a, a, a certain few people, so... I think punchable face is like the two word definition. Punchable face plays into it, but there's just so much more than that. Like there's so much more. Andrew Heaney sits on the bench after giving up 14 in an inning. And you're like, that guy's a fucking cuck. He's got his hair like sitting over his face. And it's just like, man, he is an embarrassment to the game. The nominees are Aaron Boone, Nick Nelson, Andrew Heaney, and Chad Green. I'll go with Chad Green. Sacks I've ever heard of. Exactly. I'll go. I'll. I'll. I'll do the Chad Green for this one, just because. Why not? That little gif of him. I guess you can call it a gif, whatever it is, of him just sitting there pouting after fucking everything up and blowing a game. It was a multiple time. I think it's just perfect. Like his little frowny face. I think it was in uh, Fourth of July after. Like, oh yeah, no, absolute cock. I think he needs and I think that embodied this, though. I think he could too, but I just wanted to use that moment as something that could embody the award. If you could put a face with cuck of the year, it's Chad Green's frown on that game. Absolutely, hundred percent agreed. Next one that I wanted to go to was Iron Balls Award. This could go to a bunch of people. The nominees for this one are Jonathan Loazga has clear he he invented the iron balls, so I want to make sure he got his due. Um, 
he some of the times it was self inflicted him getting into situations, but he got out of it all the time, and he had the stuff, and he would have the the celebration is important for the iron ball situation as well, and I think he nails that. Stanton, Judge, Odor, all of them are big moment guys when they're when they're hitting. I mean, Odor, the argument could be made for Odor because he was so bad everywhere else, but when he, like when you, when you, if you pinch hit in bottom of the ninth, down one, two outs, and you only have Odor left, I'm not going to say I'm not confident because like he had a flair for the dramatic there. I think the people that I would give my vote to is obviously Stanton and Judge because how can I you think not? I give Lawizaga my vote and, or maybe not my only vote, but I think he's going to get some votes. Like that Red Sox game drops the 101 sinker to close us out. Bases loaded to give us the lead over the Red Sox in the wild card after being down, fuck, I don't know how many, four or five games. People had written the Yankees off for the season. And then the Wiseca comes in. Obviously, it's self inflicted, but he comes in and strikes out the side, drops the 101. Gets fucking juiced. And he did that all year. So I don't know. I, I think he might I think he might get some sneaky some sneaky votes. Murph? Yeah, sorry, I wasn't sure if we were heading to me or not. No, I agree. He he's gonna get some sneaky votes, but th- I think that's just based off one performance. Um, one performance so by the, aching ass. Like he was that's awesome but that's all like year. the performance. I agree, he was awesome all year, but that's like the performance that he's in the clutch thing for. So I mean, he's not even the closer necessarily, but he's most clutch is a little tricky. I think that Judge has been clutch for his entire Yankees career, and he proved it again this year. And then I think Stan kind of. You know, upped it with him too. I think between Stan and Judd is going to be close too. Um, I I think it's going to be Stan one, Judge two, just by a little bit, and then Wise again third. Personally, also if Cole maybe clutched up a little more in the wild card, he might have been in the conversation. But well, clearly did. that didn't happen. All right, next one we're moving to is the "What Were You Thinking" award, and the "What Were You Thinking" award goes. This is from us. Because we've had plenty of takes this season, and some of them have been great. Some of them have been, what the fuck were we thinking when we said that? And I'll start us off with my, my what was I thinking take. And in the moment, and I, I think most people agree with me when I posted this. We did a, a change my mind graphic when we, when we posted this. I don't and think th- most don't, people Don't shake agree. your head because everybody else acted the same way. They didn't call me absolutely fucking nuts for saying this. I don't think so, most people agreed. I, <laughs> no, Most but there was there was a consensus a that yes, it's a hot take. And it was supposed to be a hot take, but there was a consensus that people were high on Clint Frazier coming into this year. So my take was in his roll call episode before the season, I said that he was going to be a top three left fielder in all of baseball by the end of the year. He currently is not playing baseball, <laughs> so. I, I'm willing to even just like straight up say I'm gonna win this because that's such a bad fucking take. But we've also had some awesome, awesomely bad takes as well. Mine is laughably bad because I don't think it could no. be worse. I think there's. I think you. Th- I don't think there's an outcome that could have been worse 
than than, yeah, than that because he literally the, does not play baseball anymore. So you are the your take is the Andrew Heaney Cuck Award of yeah, no. this. We didn't uh, do the. But do you remember when year, we were you also would have won bad take last year? Yeah, no, I had a, a few bad ones. I said that with Ford Mike over Voight. Ford. I said Ford would take over for Voight. Um, and then Voight almost won an MVP. I said Miggy would start in a playoff game over Geo. Bad takes all around, but there's just as many good ones. Well, that... hey, that leads into my bad take. I believe in like May or June, I said that Miguel Andahar is the Dogecoin, which both bad takes of the MLB, and I'm just buying as much Miggy as I can. So, yeah, that's self-explanatory. I think like two days after I said that, he missed the rest of the year, so. Yeah, it's uh, Sandy Molinares in the chat just said he's starting a clothing line, I think. That's Clint, so. I could see that. I bet he's really successful with it, too. Snaps to Clint. So, uh, yeah, Damon's Damon's was trading Stanton, and and he's not the only one. A lot of people in the in Yankee universe did not want Stanton, and they wanted to fucking offload him. I have you could check the tape. That is one thing I've stood stood firm on. I want Stanton. I thought he was great. Chandler was with me. I don't know where you were on that Murph, but I mean Stanton was a damn good player. He always was. We Chandler was on the board of like. Tendering your expectations for him and not thinking he's going to be that MVP caliber player that we expected him to come in to be. He's a damn good player. Get used to it. That's what he is. And then he ended up going back to being that MVP caliber player. So, you know, maybe we have to tender our expectations again going into this next year when we're talking about his roll call. That's a different conversation for a different time. But the the take still stands as being fucking horrific. That And he's not alone here either. A lot of people want to hear it a sentence. Um... I'm ready for Murphy's take. That's a pretty sour take. My take was, I believe it was also, oh no, I'm sorry, it was part of the Kluber episode of Roll Call. It was the A-plus offseason. Yeah, I essentially graded our offseason as A-plus because we re-signed DJ, brought in a 35-year-old relic, brought in a Tyone who was just broken before we even got him, and (laughs) For some reason, I called that A+. Plus. And we also waited until the last minute to do all of this. So basically what happened was within the same week, we re-signed DJ and we signed Corey Kluber. And then my response to that was I made the analogy that Cashman just put off his term paper until the last day and then somehow scrounged together an A. And I might have been right about the first part. But I was not right about the second. I don't think you were correct. Considering the offseason was Dietrich, Jay Bruce, TJ, Brett Gardner, and Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day. So, yeah, he did scratch it together last minute. Yeah, but it wasn't. It sure shit. It was like a C minus paper. If that. If that. So moving on to the take of the year, this is the this is the creme de la creme of this podcast, the one sixty one take of the year. Um, Chandler has had one that's been locked in since the beginning of his tenure with this podcast. He came on and came out guns blazing, telling us that he thought that Loizaga is being groomed as closer. This is coming at a time where we didn't have full confidence in Chapman, but uh, we kind of laughed at him like because Loizaga. No, we had this was during Chapman's dominant stretch in April that I said this. It was when Loisaga came out hot too, and 
you guys were like, yeah, rounding thirds, I think Loisig will be good. And I was like, I'm going to take it a step further. I remember this conversation vividly. I said, I'm going to take it one step further, and I'm going to say that Loisig is going to be groomed to be the next closer of the Yankees. And you guys laughed in my face. So, I, as, as a Loisig guy, like I was a Loisig guy for a different reason. I thought he was going to end up being a starter. And I still laughed in your face. Like, I had high hopes for Loisiga, but I still laughed in your face. I remember that. Yeah, it was fucked up. It's a good I take. Mean, it wasn't. And you he was you. right. Aged like a fine wine. So. I don't know. What other ones do we have there? Damon doesn't we can have get any. My, we can get my <laughs> shitty one out of the way. Like, Damon's got none. <laughs> I, I scraped, like, the very top of the barrel on the takes. Um I didn't have a lot of time for this, but uh, I said the first thing that I said during our episode about the lefty bench bats of Ford, Dietrich, and Jay Bruce is that I would love to see none of them scrape the MLB. And uh, I don't think Dietrich ever made it. Or did he make it up in the beginning? No, he didn't. I don't think he did. We forced Jay Bruce into retirement when he came up, and we sold Mike Ford to the Rays for, like, a tub of orange slices. And... That's it. Big, so, I mean, it, it wasn't a take of the year great take, but it wasn't wrong. And mine was the crazy in the moment take where I was like, is being bad good? Because uh, we posted this clip twice now. It's like just when I was trying to explain to everybody that I think being okay, so bad in the know. first half of the year was a good thing because we would buy more assets than we would have otherwise if we were just good the whole way. And then if, when, when our players that were supposed to be good ended up playing to their potential, plus the new players that we got, we were a better team come playoff time. Obviously, they didn't pan out, but I do think that that, that take still makes sense. And I, I agree. Think, I think that takes takes the cake for take of the year. And I, I think, think that that is incredibly biased. I think I the Lawizic so one too. has to. I think that's I think the I'm, I'm, favorite. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Lawizic for now. Rela, I think you're onto something, but I think it still needs some time to develop a little bit. I, I well, mean, no, I think that's more like how much time is there to develop. I think it's done. I think I <laughs> well, think no, I mean, as like, things I developed will... more, my take became less true because we didn't we didn't win. But uh, I was just saying because now that we have Gallo and Rizzo, which we would not have had otherwise. I think we would have been even worse off in the playoffs if we didn't have those guys as bad as Gallo was down the stretch. I mean, well, so that's what I meant is that like we bought them now, so like, well, Rizzo may not be I, a Yankee, Rizzo's so we don't even know. So, yeah, so I guess it's tricky. So, um, last last award we're gonna hit is the Silver Fox Award, and this is last but not least. This is an award that is very important for a team, and look at I mean, R.I.P. to the Giants. The Giants are a very Good team. They were they're a very silver foxy. Very team. silver foxy team. They have a bunch of old guys. The minimum age requirement to qualify for this award is thirty five years of age. Thirty four, excuse me. And uh yeah, this is just important. Getting that scrappy veteran on the team. Who's gonna have a low contract. There for team morale, Jackie Moon of sorts. <laughs> Got it going on. So that's a very important part of the team. The nominees are Brett Gardner, Darren O'Day, Corey Kluber, Lucas Lickey. If I may about Brett Gardner. Please, Murphy. We all bash him 
How about this? We want. I have Boone never bashed anyway. Brett Gardner. We bashed it. Bring. We all well, bashed fuck him you. <laughs> I did not. It's not personally. bashing. It's I was true. defending him. Anyway, what if next year we want Boone gone anyway? We bring in player coach. He's not going to be manager. I actually player saw a few manager. comments about that. Player that manager. Brett Gardner, Brett Gardner was going to be the manager of the Yankees, and I was player like, what coach are owner. You talking about. La- guess Maybe. who the last person to do that was? Jackie, Jackie Moon. Moon. No, your boy. <laughs> Who just shit on uh, Joey Gallo, Pete Rose, 1986. I believe that's the last time there was a player manager. I think we did bring he that play back. while he did that. I believe. I don't. I don't he know did that that's both true. I don't believe that at all. I looked it up, and <laughs> it was a bunch. I, I looked it up, either. and I maybe I looked it up wrong, but I looked it up. I Not just now. I looked wrong. it up the other day. I don't know. I think the fact that me and Rella both answered Jackie Moon. No, I'm telling That's you, 1986 player manager, and that was actually Pete more Rose. recently than 1996. That was yeah, like, that was no, that was the 80s. 1986. No, the movie came out in like 20. Well, the movie, yeah, 2008. But yeah, well, no, I meant in baseball. <laughs> Either way, the fact that no, it used to be really common, like <laughs> early <laughs> early 1900s. It was a very it. common thing. Either way, Brett Gardner's not going to coach this team ever. So, all right. Well, I was obviously not being that serious, but and uh, I, I don't know. Boy. You seem pretty defensive about it. Ultimately, the people will decide. Mad. I think. Also, Where? I did not look it up wrong. Pete Rose was player manager. Just saying. That's cool. So was Honus Wagner. Fun fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. <laughs> what um, fun fact for Pete? I think. I mean. 1984. I would have liked O'Day to win this award. I don't, I don't think, think he he's going to. I think it's a. No. Uh, I, I think, think it's, it's clear between Gardy. Brett Gardner and I, I think Corey Kluber might steal some votes because of the no hitter. It's a little oh. ironic that Gardy doesn't have hair because Silver, <laughs> Silver Fox. Fox. Like yeah. this I mean, you don't know what's going on. Well, neither does but... Licky. So yeah, out of our Silver Foxes, only half of them are actually silver. Just a another fun fact I don't for you. Know what's you. going on below the belt? But um. Oh, I wish you didn't say <laughs> oh, that. <come> on, <laughs> but I think Gardy is going to take this one away. But, I mean, ultimately, you guys will decide who wins this. Uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited to make make these graphics and put them up on our, on our Instagram and Twitter to see you guys vote this week. Uh, I'm going to put them up probably, like, this weekend, Sunday or something. And... I'm excited. We'll we'll announce the winners on the next episode on Friday. From here on out, we're doing once a week episodes as always. Appreciate you guys for listening. This is a long one because we wanted to do obviously the topics that we wanted to hit, but also to the nominations. And we kind of got carried away a little bit. It's almost two hours, and it is now almost two in the morning. So there is, if if you felt like we were falling asleep, it's because we were. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just a little late, and uh, yeah, so. As always, if you could give us a five-star rating, we'd greatly appreciate it. It's been a fun season. We're going to have a fantastic offseason. We have a lot planned for you guys this whole offseason. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you guys. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube to get the live version slash video version, that is the Bronx Pinstripes YouTube. Go check that out and hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, peace. Have a great night or morning, whatever you're going to (laughs) do. Happy Friday. Peace. All the guys at 161st Street, I just have two words for you. See ya!